Hello, and welcome back to the German Fashion History Podcast. Now, I know you were all looking forward to our next episode and the remainder of the season, but I'm sad to announce that Weimar Fashion Made in Germany, the podcast at least, will go on an extended break until further notice. I think just as we're about to get to the beginnings of exploring the Berlin ready-to-wear industry and how it flourished, but also looking at its downfall with the rise of the Nazi party and the entire industry's Aryanization, there's a certain level of sen- sensitivity and quality of research that it demands. But it's the exceptional quantity of work in writing and producing and editing the podcast, which I cannot promise at this moment. What I can promise is providing digestible content that still requires the same amount of research, but in a condensed format. So in lieu of the podcast, please check out The Artificial Silk Femme on Instagram every Monday starting May 8th with a post and a story dedicated to this topic. Also, if you don't follow me, please send me a direct message that you're a listener since I don't accept random requests. Lastly, also, I just want to say a special thank you to everyone who's listened along the way, whether it was in season one where we talked about fashion in the GDR or currently with Weimar. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has really inspired me to continue researching these topics and themes. And I promise you the German Fashion History Podcast will live on and will continue regardless of this extended break. Now, in terms of what you're going to find on Instagram, um, starting on Mondays on May 8th, here's a little glimpse of what's to come and really to help you lay the foundation of where our story begins. So, It really starts in the the mid-19th century when the allure of fashion captivated the lower and middle-class audiences. To meet the demands, many Jewish-owned Berlin garment companies like Valentin Mannheimer, David Leib Lefin, Rudolf Herzog, and Hermann Gazon reinvented clothing clothing manufacturing to rationalize the process and really create more affordable apparel. Newly opened department stores like Hermann Gazon and Valentin Mannheimer started selling high-end collections and sewing patterns to fixed sizes. By the mid-1920s, by the 1920s, the Berlin Konfektion was really a critical part of the German economy and a leader in domestic sales. It was even estimated that by 1927, 800 companies specialized in women's ready-to-wear, and this employed a third of Berlin's workforce. So when we get to talking about the increasing insurmountable rise of anti-Semitism and the Aryanization of the industry. Think of these numbers and how many people it really affected. Now, there were two pioneers, really, of Berlin's clothing industry, and those were Hermann Gazon and Valentin Mannheimer. Hermann Gazon was the son of Levine Gazon, a German art merchant, And in 1835, he moves to Berlin. In 1839, he opens his atelier. He ends up garnering the likes of many aristocratic clients and was even the purveyor of the Prussian royal court. 
Now, as we will explore, um, the partnership with Philipp Freudenberg was really important. Now, Philipp ended up owning the Gazon department store from 1889 to 1919, and this would transform the company into one of the most renowned Berlin fashion brands connected, and he also helped connect Gazon to the French designer Paul Poiret. Poiret even exclusively presented his collection at the Gazon department store when he came to visit in Berlin. And the Hamon Gazon story is really like that of many other German Jewish family owned businesses that rose to great success only to have it destroyed and forgotten. So keeping those stories alive and accurate is of utmost importance. Now, another important designer was Valentin Mannheimer. In 1836, Valentin Mannheimer and his brothers Moritz and David founded a textile processing company, Gebrüder Mannheimer. But in 1839, he sets off on his own to launch Valentin Mannheimer, and the clothier marries Philippe Berendt. She's the daughter of the outerwear manufacturer Josef Berendt. And this really helps Mannheimer in many ways, but also Mannheimer was really known for successfully integrating classic tailoring traditions with large-scale mass-market manufacturing processes. And I think that's a good snippet and a place to end for now. Um, so keep those names and those dates in mind, Hermann Gazon, Valentin Mannheimer, and also just to give you sort of a under, general understanding of where we're at when we're starting our story on May 8th. So I hope that was a nice little intro for you, and I wish you a wonderful day. Thanks. Thanks.